Welcome to Reign of Grace. This program is brought to you by Reign of Grace Media Ministries, an outreach ministry of Eager Avenue Grace Church in Albany, Georgia. It is our pleasure and privilege to present to you the gospel message of the sovereign grace and glory of God in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that today's program will be a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and now for today's program. Welcome to our program. I'm glad you could join us. If you'd like to follow along in your Bibles, I'll be preaching from the book of John, the Gospel of John, and I'll be in chapter 16, the last part of this chapter, beginning at verse 25. The title of the message is Christ Going to His Father. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, going to His Father. Now, He he tells his he told his disciples many things in the upper room discourse where he was teaching them personally, privately, concerning the work that he was sent to do and that he was going to do. They expressed sorrows. They even expressed doubts. But they were human beings, sinful human beings, as we all are, and even even uh, those who are saved, uh, who know the truth. Uh, when we face circumstances and situations that, that uh, cause us to doubt, cause us to wonder why, why me, Lord, that kind of thing. But Christ, was, he's, he's comforting them, and he tells them in verse 25 of John 16, he says, These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs. Now the word Proverbs there is the Greek word for parable. <clears throat> so he says, I've spoken unto you in parables, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in proverbs or parables, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. Now, you know what a parable is. The word parable literally means to stand alongside of. And what it is, it's, a, it's an illustration using uh, various uh, uh, objects, subjects, people, situations to teach a spiritual truth. And so the parable cannot be taken literally. The parable has meaning behind it. And if you'll recall over in the book of Matthew chapter 13, if you want to look there, this is where Christ began to speak what we call the kingdom parables. Parables that shows the na- that show, showed the nature and progress of the kingdom of God that was established by Christ in His first coming and in His obedience unto death on the cross. And it says here that uh, he, he began to spoke, speak in parables and He began to speak, uh, the first one He spoke was the parable of the soils. Now that's the parable where He talked about uh, the seed being sown. That's the word of God sown out in the preaching of the gospel. And the seed fell upon different types of ground. He says some of it fell uh, upon uh, uh, by the wayside. Uh, When he sowed, it fell by the wayside. And the birds came 
and devour them up. In other words, that's the word of God that finds no object. In other words, preaching to people who have no interest in the word of God. And then he says, some fell upon uh, stony ground and they, uh, they didn't take root. And when, when trouble came, they left it. And so that's the stony ground here. And some fell upon thorny ground. And it was choked out by the thorns of the world, riches of the world. And th- those describe three types of unbelievers who heard the word of God, but it didn't take effect unto their salvation. The Bible says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and the Greek also, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the justified shall live by faith. But in those first three grounds, soils, uh, the wayside, the stony ground, the thorny ground, the gospel took no effect. And the reason it took no effect is because it was not empowered to do so by the Holy Spirit. Now, Christ had just spoken to the disciples over in John 16 of how the Spirit would come and convict His people all over the world, the world, not every individual without exception, but His people, God's elect, Christ's sheep all over the world, of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, and he, what he's speaking of there is the gospel that comes in the power of the Spirit that brings a sinner to life. It's the word of life because by nature, we're spiritually dead. And before we can believe and repent, we have to be made alive. We have to be born again by the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 says, You hath he quickened made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. And so in the parable of the sower and the seed, the parable of the soils, the first three soils represent spiritually dead sinners in different situations. Some have nothing to do with the word. They walk away unaffected. Others claim to believe it, but they don't really believe it. There's, there is a rival within their hearts, their dead, cold hearts. And, it's the, and, and when trouble comes, they leave it. Or when, the, when uh, uh, the riches of the world appear, they leave it. But it says in, in Matthew 13, verse 8, But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Now this was the first of the kingdom parables. And so we have the wayside hearer, lost person, who heard it but didn't affect him. The stony ground hearer, a lost person, who heard it and received it immediately without counting the cost but didn't really believe it. Then you had the thorny ground hearer, who's one who received it but it didn't take root and it was choked out by the thorns, the riches of the world and the cares of the world. But the good ground here is a true believer. And this good ground hearer does not represent people who are good in themselves because the Bible's clear. Romans chapter 3 and verses 10 through 12, there's none righteous, there's none good, no, not one. So what is the good ground here? 
Well, the good ground is, is the uh, prepared new heart that God gives to a sinner in the new birth. And God is the one who prepares the heart. Now that goes back to what Christ said in John 15 when he said he was the vine and his father is the husbandman. The good ground here is a sinner who's been regenerated by the Spirit, born again by the Spirit, and ready to receive the Word of God by God-given faith and brought to repentance. And so that, that's a sinner saved by grace. Well, when Christ finished that parable, before he actually told them what it meant, and, and that's another thing about the, the parables, Whenever you see a parable, it was, it's always, there's always an explanation of it. But when, when he uh, preached that parable, he said in verse 9 of Matthew 13, Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And that's a common expression. A lot of times the Lord said that, especially in the book of Revelation. If you've got ears to hear, hear. Now, what he's talking about is spiritual ears. In other words, it's a hearing that is empowered by the Holy Spirit that brings a sinner to receive that word and to bow to it and to believe it. You must be born again or you cannot see their spiritual sight. So he says, if you've got ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples asked in verse 10, they came and said unto him, why speakest thou unto them in parables? Now, the them there, he's talking about the crowd there, especially the Pharisees who were there. And he, he answered in verse 11 and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not given. Why do you speak in parables? Well, because it's a gift that's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, it's not given. Now, who gives this gift? God does. It's a gift of God's grace. So when you see uh, talk about these parables, the reason he spoke in parables was to show his disciples whom he'd given this gift the realities of the kingdom of heaven. But there's another thing he says here that is amazing. He says in verse 12, For whosoever hath to him shall be given. And he shall have more abundance, but whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. One of the reasons he spoke in parables was to hide the truth from those who had continually rejected it. And they weren't given the gift of faith, they weren't given the gift of life, Eyes to see, ears to hear. But over here in John 16 in our text, he said, I've spoken unto you in parables. But now there's going to come a time, he said, verse 25, when I shall no more speak unto you in parables, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. In other words, you're going to see firsthand the glory of the Father. Now, how are you going to see the glory of the Father? How were they going to see the glory of the Father? Because the Bible teaches us that no man can come directly into the presence of God the Father and see Him. It would be certain death. In other words, to go to the Father, to, to, to see the Father, 
and to, 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 to be shown the glory of the Father. We must, because we're sinners now, we must have a mediator, an intercessor, an advocate, one who will stand between the Father and us. And that's why Christ came to this world, to establish a ground upon which God the Father is reconciled to his people in justice and mercy, and that same ground upon which his people are reconciled to him. No man, he said, cometh unto the Father but by me. You remember that in the book of John. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, he said. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So you see, and, and he's telling them they're, they're going to have a direct line to the Father, but it's through the Son. We must have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. You see, in order to meet the Father and to see the glory of the Father, we must look to Christ, the Son of God incarnate. He is the Lord our righteousness. We have no righteousness without Him. And no one who is unrighteous can come before the Father and see His glory and live. So we must have a righteousness that answers the demands of God's law and justice. We'll go back to John 16. And he says in verse 26, At that day you shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came out from God. Now that language, uh, it may sound a little confusing to you, but all he's simply saying is that I am your connection to the Father. And there's no other connection. The Bible speaks of the glory of God revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9 that in Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, Father, Son, and Spirit. So he's simply telling them, because you have loved me and have believed that I came out from God, you see. He said, I will pray, I will pray, uh, I, I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loveth you. In other words, you are, going to, you are a recipient to enjoy the love of the Father through the Son. And that's a key point. Look at, look at verse 27. For the Father himself loveth you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. There's no love for sinners from God apart from Christ. Outside of Christ, there's only God's wrath. God's justice and punishment. And that is actually, in the Bible, God's hatred. You see, when the Bible says God hates the workers of iniquity, he's talking about, he's not talking about a sinful hatred that is undeserved. You know why people reject any idea of God hating somebody? is because they don't believe we deserve hatred. But we do. If God loves any of us, it's grace. We didn't earn it and don't deserve it. 
And so you read passages like 1 John 4.10, which says, Herein is love, not that we loved him, but that he loved us and gave his son to be the propitiation, the sin-bearing sacrifice that brought satisfaction, the propitiation for our sins. So outside of Christ, listen, if you live your life in unbelief and die in unbelief, you don't you you're you go to God, the great judge of all, who is Christ, without a righteousness, without forgiveness, without the blood, and that's eternal damnation and death. So he says, I go out from, I came out from God. Now look at verse 28 of John 16. He says, I came forth from the Father. He'd proven that. He is God, the Son, in every attribute of his character, deity. The miracles prove that. His message proved that. I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. When Christ came into the world, it is described this way in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. It said, in the fullness of time, that is in the appointed time, God sent forth his son. He came out from the father. God the father sent forth his son. Made of a woman. That's his holy, sinless humanity. Created for him in the womb of the virgin by the Holy Spirit. Made of a woman. Made under the law. That's the the responsibility that he had for the salvation of his people. Having all of the salvation of God's chosen people, chosen before the foundation of the world and given to Christ, all the responsibility of their salvation was conditioned on him. And what did he have to do? He had to satisfy the law, the justice of God. He was made under the law. You see, the Bible says that Christ came to keep the law and to satisfy its justice. And Romans 10, 4 says that Christ is the end of the law, the fulfillment, perfection of the law, finishing of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So he was made of a woman. He was made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And then he goes on to say, because you are sons, he sends forth his spirit, the spirit of adoption, to bring us to to see what the reality of this is. Well, so he he says, I leave the world and go to the Father. Well, you remember back in John 16, one of the things the Holy Spirit convicts God's people of is of righteousness, he said in John 16, 10, because I go to my Father. And you see me no more. Well, what is the significance of him going? He came out from the Father. He came to this world. He lived a perfect life. As the surety, the substitute, and the redeemer of his people, he went to the cross and accomplished the redemption of his people, fulfilled every condition of salvation, put away their sins, brought forth everlasting righteousness. He did all of that. And, he, and his death 
was the, that's his blood, was the satisfaction of the justice of God against the sins of his people that had been imputed to him. And he died, he was buried, and then he arose again the third day. He walked among his people and taught for a time. And then he ascended back to the Father. Now, how did he go to the Father? He went by way of the law and the cross. He went by way of resurrection and ascension. He went there as the Redeemer. He didn't go as one who made a stab at redeeming us. Christ did not come to this world to try to redeem you. If you're one of his sheep, he did redeem you and he'll have you and you'll be in glory with him. And the evidence of that is when you hear the gospel with the hearing ear, you see the glory of God with the seeing eye, the spiritual eye. You see that? He who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as he's identified and distinguished in the Bible. You'll rest in him. You'll plead his blood and his righteousness alone for your salvation. You'll be like David of old. God hath made a covenant of me and is ordered in all things. And sure, this is all my salvation and all my hope. Nothing else. You'll submit to Christ as the Lord your righteousness. And so he went to the Father as the successful Savior who saved his people from their sins. There'll be no one in hell for whom Christ died. All for whom he, he said it in John 6, 37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. He went on to say, this is the will of him that sent me that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing but raise it up again at the last day. And we're going to see that in the next message concerning the Lord's Prayer in John 17. You see, for anyone for whom Christ died to perish in eternal damnation would be to destroy the glory of God and the preeminence and glory of Christ. It cannot be. God has a people, and he's not willing that any of them should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So in John 16, he says, I go to the Father, Christ going to the Father. In verse 29, his disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb, peril. We're hearing you plainly now, they said. Well, he'd been speaking plainly, and then he began speaking in parables. But as I said, they were weak human beings like all of us, sinners saved by grace. They grew in grace and in knowledge of Christ. They grew in assurance. They grew in faith. But he's speaking plainly. In verse 30, they said, Now are we sure that thou knowest all things? Really? Think about it. He'd proved this so many times. But they said, Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee? By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Now we know. It's settled in their hearts. Now you're going to see when he embarks upon his road to the cross, they're going to waver again. That's human beings for you. 
That's why salvation is by grace. And that's why perseverance is based upon His preserving us. Because if He did not preserve His people, we would not continue. We would not abide. So Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? This is verse 31. Do you now believe? Verse 32. Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that you shall be scattered. Now he's telling them this. They're going to run. Run like cowards. And I understand that because the only way that any of us are going to stand boldly for the truth in opposition to those who want to kill us is by the grace of God. And he says, you're going to be scattered, every man to his own, his own house, own home, and shall leave me alone. They're going to abandon him. He had to walk the wine press alone. But he says this, he says, and yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Isn't that something? How could he in his humanity endure the sufferings, the pain, the affliction, the derision, the cross? How could he endure that? Well, the Father was with him. And then we're told in other passages, he had a full measure of the Spirit of God was with him. And then he is God. One old writer said that Christ offered up the sacrifice of his humanity upon the altar of his deity. And it was because of who he is that he was able to endure that. So he concludes this section before he goes into his prayer. Verse 33, he says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. Now where's their peace coming from? Not in themselves, but in Christ, the Prince of Peace, the Bringer of Peace, the one who accomplished the redemption of his people, that brought reconciliation between God and sinners. Peace by the blood of the cross. And he says, in the world, you shall have tribulation. Now you know what tribulation is. That's trouble. <clears throat> in this world, there's trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. This world's full of trouble for God's people. But this world will not conquer us. Christ has overcome the world. And how do you know that? Because he's now with the Father as our advocate, making intercession for us, keeping us, preserving us to bring us unto glory. All by his grace. I hope you'll join us next week for another message from God's Word. We are glad you could join us for another edition of Reign of Grace. This program is brought to you by Reign of Grace Media Ministries, an outreach ministry of Eager Avenue Grace Church in Albany, Georgia. To receive a copy of today's program or to learn more about Reign of Grace Media Ministries or Eager Avenue Grace Church, write us at 1102 Eager Drive, Albany, Georgia, 31707. Contact us by phone at 229-432-6969 or email us through our website at 
the letter R, ofgrace.com. Thank you again for listening today, and may the Lord be with you.